three, two, one. What are you drinking? I heard something being poured. <laughs> I am uh, just having a little nightcap, Mike. Mm. It's it's medicinal for purely medicinal purposes. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, just a bit of bit of brandy. Might as well enjoy a little bit of it while we have our chat together. Yeah. So, what is the brandy called? It's called Tesco. Uh, um, French brandy. <laughs> Man, that's uh, it's um, <clears throat> it's not it's not for everyone, you know. Um, but right, let's redeem this. And Tesco <laughs> sponsors this podcast, and so you go out and get yourself some Tesco <laughs> Tesco brandy. Brandervein, Brandervein. Um, yeah, look, I don't know how you do that. That's amazing. Do you know how much money? Just guess how much money I have in my bank account. Um, two, like take, $2. You know, think in pounds okay. and take a real realistically. You know? Well, realistically, my my bank account's often hitting the no, two two dollars. I said mark. first of all, I said think in pounds. Okay, so all right, let's say two dollars isn't even a pound. Fifteen pounds. Fifteen pounds is not far off, Mike. Not far <laughs> off. Twenty for, pounds for Christmas time is all I have, and Christmas that is, is my. I mean, that is it. I know. That's no, we all feel, I got, feel right. the pain, And so cheap brandy, it is. I'm going to be yeah. drinking this stuff all the way till tomorrow when That's it's right. finished. Totally. Hey, well, we signed up for this, didn't we? Yeah. This is the, this okay. is the life we signed up for. Oh, it's a pleasure. It, I mean, to be honest, um, I'm, I'm currently in ministry, earning more than I've ever earned in ministry. Mm-hmm. So, you know. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, when I got into it, I like I think I've mentioned before, but I actually had to pay them, you know. So I was ministering, and and running at a running at a loss. And then when I started to earn money, I earned exactly a um, thousand rand a month. Hmm. And um, from that thousand rand a month, I had to rent my place, and kind of fuel my car and buy food and everything. Hmm. So essentially, what happened every month was, um, you know, I rented that one-bedroom flat in, in Central that oh. nobody would come and visit me at because it was in the middle of downtown. Places and then um, <laughs> it was nasty. Oh, just so bad. There were oh. so many dodgy things going on around me as well. But we had some great arguments about Calvinism in yeah. that flat. I remember that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, so I'd spend five uh, – that was 500 rand a month. Mm-hmm. And then I'd spend the other 500 rand a month on petrol for the Beetle. And that was it. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> uh, I remember just waking up in Sprayview and in Seaview there. I remember that place um, with like honestly about four or five fairly large cockroaches crawling on me on any given morning. Mm. It's just a special in, in special where? time. Where did you say? Which one are you talking about? The one in in the by the beach, the, the beachfront one. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. That honestly was nasty. also. <laughs> Just lots, lots. You, yeah, you so switch off the light, and, and you just hear ch- 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 all the roaches coming out, and oh, they switch. And then eventually, it got to the point where, where you just sort of like, <laughs> you know, and that's where I became a Christian. You know, that's I was. So I just sort of, <laughs> exactly. I hear the sounds, ch- 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 and I'm like, oh, here they come. And then, you know, you try and kill a few, and then it's like you got dead. You switch the light back on, kill about like twenty roaches, 
and they're all laying all over the room. It's like this like roach corpse fest. And um, and then, you, you know, you give up because you get too tired, right? You just you just start getting like physically tired yeah. of killing roaches because you've got to run after them. And if, and I'm getting so tired and it's like late at night and eventually I would just I would just switch off the light, hear the, the sound, let them crawl onto my bed, feel them on on my leg or something and I would just go, Lord, please, please protect me. I'm going to sleep now. And that's it. And then oh, you'd, and then dude, they, can, they can survive an, uh, an atomic bomb. They can survive you. So there's no point. Yeah, there's no point. And, and uh, then I'd wake up and honestly, man, you just see them all over you. It's just freaking totally oh, horrendous. I'm so, so glad that part of my life's over. Oh, I haven't seen a roach since I left South Africa. <laughs> totally. Yeah, those things are huge. They were like flipping I just, ginormous oh, beach roaches. Oh. I the other thing, do you remember the baboon spiders? Mm. <clears throat> oh, boy. Oh, man. They're like tarantulas, but they jump. Like, oh, no. Uh, no. I, honestly, like when I think about going back to South Africa, they, <laughs> those are the things that come to mind. Like it's not the crime. <laughs> yeah. it's, not, it's, it's not the violent crime. Do you remember when a Dad, dad he, he hit one of those things with a pickaxe handle? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when he pulled the pickaxe handle away, it just jumped at him, like straight at his face, I like know, full it, on, just went for him. Like and un- I just, oh, it unsquashed. I remember it was like squashed, <laughs> and then it unsquashed. It's like a cartoon. You uh, puny human! <laughs> what are you trying to do? <laughs> like a stupid little pickaxe. I will, so so cute. I will, I will bite you in the face and lay my <laughs> eggs in your eyes. <laughs> I gotta make a run for it. My chopper is over here. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. Anyways, hey, so is there anything more we wanted to talk about in terms of uh, Tolkien and uh, fantasy and anything? We kind of hit the whole, um, we hit the whole, yeah. uh, you know, where's the line? There's the line, you know, uh, as it crosses there's a t- Yeah, I mean, I think, I think the main thing that Tolkien was worried about was, um, A, that we, um, you know, so deceive ourselves by our fantasy that we end up worshipping them. Mm-hmm. or just confusing the primary world with the fantasy world. So mm-hmm. uh, it, it, uh, I remember Tolkien, he was grieved, like genuinely grieved when he saw people having Lord of the Rings themed weddings. Wow. Because um, he was just like, no, you keep my world where it, where it is. Yeah. You don't bring it into this world. Right, because you know? it just gets and, weird. Um, it gets creepy at that and, point. Uh, yeah. It does get weird. And it's, you know... Uh, you know, like, like things like Comic Con, you know, um, don't, I, I think they don't do this because it is a separate conference where you go, to, you kind of leave the world to go into that world and then you come out again. But, um, but they're in danger of it, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know, it, it, but I think that it, it has a lot to teach us about the whole virtual online world today as well, because right. um, again, we're in danger of confusing the real world and the online world. Mm. Just as much as we're in danger of confusing the real world and a, and a make-believe world. Yeah, it's a great um, point because not a lot of people are reading big fantasy novels, you know, as much as they're playing like fantasy video no. games, uh, which are also pretty. No, but what we do epic. is we box set binge. Right, that's true. Yeah, you know, we go mm. through like eight seasons of stuff in two weeks. Mm. You know, it's just um, um, it's just ridiculous and. Um, you know, and you, you, I understand why. Like, I, I think I, I'm guilty of it from time to time as well. But like, um, 
I think that's the kind of thing precisely that Tolkien would not have approved of. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that's more or less it. It is interesting. Just, I, I mean, right. Just if you're interested, the mm-hmm. Narnia code. Oh yes. Let's talk about um, that. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I, I what is and it? you see, I haven't actually read the Narnia code. I've listened, I've watched a kind of documentary about the guy who wrote the Narnia code. His name is Michael Ward. And, uh, Michael Ward is, um, he's a, he's a scholar, he's mm-hmm. a C.S. Lewis scholar, mm-hmm. and he produced a work called, uh, I'm trying to remember it, Planet Narnia, that was it. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a PhD thesis or something like that. Or, and um, it, he basically uh, discovered that all of the volumes in Narnia um, are connected to medieval cosmology. Wow. Um, that's... The, the seven planets, the uh, Jupiter, Mars, Sol, Luna, Mercury, Venus, and Saturn mm-hmm. of medieval cosmology, they, they correspond perfectly with um, the, the, is it the seven books in the Narnia series. Mm-hmm. And, <clears throat> and every planet had like um, symbolic value. Wow. You know, it had a whole host of associations and mm-hmm. all those associations – um, are are picked up in the Narnia books. Hmm. It's 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 all like done in um, kind of layers underneath. Like it's not explicit. It's super subtle, and oh. um, and so anyway, like it's just super interesting because that is the reason why he put Santa in. You only understand it because it's re- it's related to Mars, right. and and so there's all kinds of things. I don't know enough about it to go beyond that, but it is super interesting to read if if you want to geek out on some. Some yeah. fancy stuff. So that's pretty impressive if that's true. Yeah. That, that'd be amazing. Yeah. You know, wow. So the, the um, well, I mean, obviously yeah. we know C.S. Lewis is quite a Jedi, you know, but I mean, wow, that's, that's, um, dude, uh, you know, he, he there, there were many, you can, you know, I've never, I don't know why, just the C.S. Lewis sort of, um, well, the, the whole um, fancy stuff that he put out has never really caught me. I don't know why. It's just, I think it might be the World War II kid talking animal thing. I don't know. It just never really, never really worked as well in my yeah. mind as C.S. Lewis's st- as uh, Tolkien stuff. But, you know, I can, I can appreciate that people dig him. Uh, obviously, we, we know he's this, um, this super ultra Jedi dude at so many different levels. Uh, but yeah, that would be, you know, to see that woven in as well would just be, wow. I mean, that's a lot of thought being put into what he's writing. Well, I remember, um, you know, watching this documentary thing and thinking, yeah, that, that can't be coincidence. You yeah. know, it's like when you're reading the New Testament and there are all these allusions to the Old Testament. Yes. You know, and you think, well, one or two maybe, but mm. like, it's like the, the feeding of the 5,000 where it's like packed with like 12 Exodus images. Yes. You know, and you, and you just think, okay, like I can't <clears throat> put this down to coincidence yeah. anymore, mm. you know. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I think these guys, they knew a lot more about what they were doing, mm-hmm. you know, totally. and also the other thing is like, they had a classical education, both of them, where yeah. they were steeped in the myths and the classics and the, that kind of thing, which mm-hmm. we just don't, don't appreciate anymore, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I think it's to our detriment, like the fact that we don't really know the stories of narcissists and, um, mm. and Medusa and all that kind of thing, all those things had morals to teach us or little uh, truisms about life um, that I think you know would be valuable for modern millennials to 
to come to terms with. Oh, but, man, yeah. totally. Yeah, um, it's, it's just, a, yeah, as you say, it almost puts a, or even just the Aesop fable kind of idea in that you're basically mm, providing mm. a story to a moral and yeah. it just sticks, you know, it just, it, it tends to stick because you remember, yeah. you remember the story. And, uh, but I, I've actually, yeah, I mean, the, the, it's been a bit of a journey for me with just with the kids and, you know, how far do you want to push the whole classical learning, education, Greek mythology thing. And, uh, yeah, I found that the more mm-hmm. the more I go with it, the better it is. It's just it's just helpful, you know. And it's just so obviously ridiculous at so many levels that there's just no – I don't find there's any possibility that you're going to lead them astray or anything like that. It's just – it's just um, – no. yeah, it no, helps no. them. If, if for no other reason, it helps them to pick up on <coughs> – on, uh, life you know and what's happening in literature and in movies often i mean that's the thing it's not just books it's movies that are just uh yeah. replete with with uh, philosophical ideas and and old uh old stories that have been told over and over again and it's just uh, a bit of a tragedy if we can't pick that up really you know it's to some degree the directors of the yeah. movies are actually wanting us and relying upon us to, to understand what they're doing and uh, a lot of it's just lost on us. I mean, it's definitely our discernment goes out the window on a few of these points because we can't see what's actually being driven at. So, yeah, uh, you know, so I've just uh, just even things like basic, got like a little children's um, rendition of, of Greek mythology. And, you know, it's just moderately entertaining, kind of just work through those. Uh, one at a time, just to give some level of consciousness as to what, yeah, what what these greats would have had as their mainstay of education back in the day. Um, I think it does deepen things out. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing is like Santa, right? That that was an interesting uh, point. You said yeah. Tolkien rebuked uh, uh, Lewis for bringing Santa in. Yeah. Uh, where does he do that? For mixing his fantasy worlds. Right. Uh, where does he do that? Where does Santa come in? Um, where did he? Oh, it comes in the line which in the wardrobe when um, they're all running away from the wolves. Um, uh, you know, they, they've, the, the beavers kind of took them in and then they're kind of fleeing and they're going through the snowy thing and then they hear someone coming and they think that it's the enemy and it turns out to be Santa and he oh. gives them gifts to help them on their journey. Right. Um, okay, so Santa yeah. is actually in the... I just wish the, I could the... remember. Yeah. Oh yeah, he's a he's a character. He just he just has a cameo. He's a little bit like um, uh, oh goodness, brain fart. Wow, he's the dude in Lord of the Rings. Like he just rocks up and then he goes again. Um, uh, yeah. Tom Bombadillo, Tom Bombadil. That's the one. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Do you remember him? No. No. Okay. No. Yeah, totally. Well, anyway, in the book, he's not in the movie. In the book, he <clears throat> he just kind of rocks up and he's like these the superhuman dude but then you don't see him again and and Santa is like that in the chronicles of Narnia because wow. um and it's this big turning point in the story because the thing about Narnia in the Lion Witch in the Wardrobe is mm-hmm. that it's always winter but never christmas mm. ah see that's yeah um, so that's quite quite um woven into this fabric of the of the narrative then oh it's absolutely i just wish i could remember how it related to Mars, um, I just can't. I just can't remember it. Mm. But, can't but remember just sticking with that for a second, was. I mean, I you know, because even just um, just thinking about crossing genres um, or, or just um, you know, I suppose again, why this why this matters is um, you, you get it gets dangerous when you don't have a coherent world uh, within itself, as as Tolkien mm-hmm. said, and um, and and 
and so even just with the almost dangerous concept that that C.S. Lewis sets up in that you have people that are going through this wardrobe, you know what I mean? To, so you have little bits of the real world and then a little bit of the fake world, and the two worlds are are there in the book itself. And and yeah, it makes it almost especially important to keep them apart, um, so as not to kind of you know fuse the two or or, or bring any confusion or any sort of. Um, and we were talking about that relating to magic and and um, you know that sort of mm. thing. Um, but yeah, that's that's super interesting. I already struggled with it just because you had the World War II kind of theme and you know just just that whole time period and um, and then the way the way I don't like um, just switching over to for a second to um, the whole <coughs> Harry Potter thing again. Yeah. You've got the whole thing quite interwoven like that, you know. Um, in that it's not just a fancy world that you start reading from page one. It's um, it's mm-hmm. just a mm-hmm. overlap at some level, which makes makes it that that much closer to a to a dangerous place for me. Not not dangerous, dangerous, but just okay. I'm on alert now. I can't relax like I was relaxing in in Tolkien's world, you know. Um, so yeah, I feel okay, that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I definitely yeah. feel that point. So you were saying uh, yeah. you were saying something to do with the Narnia code um, adds oh, like the reason he added Santa. Well, it shows you that it, it wasn't just like a whimsical thing or, oh, for a bit of fun, I'll throw Santa in, whatever. Like it, uh, it shows yeah. you that it's all part of this cosmology thing. Um, so he had a kind of framework. Well, <clears throat> did you know that um, – uh, well, uh, no, I haven't actually checked this to see if it's true, but a, a, a friend of mine who studied – I studied with it, O'Kill, mm-hmm. um, told me that the Harry Potter books are written as a chiasm. Yeah, I didn't know that. Um, wow. And so – yeah, so it, it just shows you that these really good authors. Mm. I mean, that's true. Again, like the like the planets, um, and like Tolkien, you know, with his languages. Yes, they, they all had they had a, you know, they didn't just throw it together. You know mm. what I mean? There was a lot of thought. They had a plan. They had an overarching um, sort of design mm. to it. <clears throat> and I just marvel at that. I marvel at the artistry of it. You know, mm. you know it really is. It's just, it's just amazing. Yeah. Oh man, totally. There's something about Tolkien, classy here. It's just the whole thing was pure class. It was good, just amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's such a pity he was Roman Catholic though. It's just the where. Where do you think that came in? Uh, Did did, where did it affect his um, his fancy? You see it. um, You see it a lot in uh, the Elvish culture. Because basically the Elvish culture is like the elves of the sacred. Okay. <clears throat> I always put them down as like the angels and, or something. Um, yeah, well, exactly. I mean, but I think, you know, it's they're like the, you know, in the, in the drawings and in the illustrations, in the descriptions, it kind of, it matches with the high architecture and the high liturgies of Roman Catholicism, mm. you know. Um, right, true. And yeah. the whole idea that they are just set apart, it's almost like, <clears throat> you know, um, yeah, it, it, it draws its inspiration from, mm. you know, those classic kind of Roman Catholic buildings and liturgies and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, so I think, it, I think it does come through mm. a little bit like that. Mm. Um, whereas, you know, I think he drew kind of proper inspiration you know, like I think, uh, was it Wales or or Ireland or something that became the inspiration for the Shire? Right. Um, 
you know, and yeah. so it all it all came from it all came from somewhere. And, I wonder if uh, um, I, I wonder if he would have been. Men and that kind of thing. Oh, totally. Yeah. Um, I wonder if he would have been better served. I mean, because sometimes I wonder if he was Protestant, maybe he would have got even more criticism and would have been even more stifled and probably might not have come up Absolutely. with those things. You know, at least uh, Catholicism yeah, allows for that there, aesthetic that, quality. I mean, yeah, because... Ab- yeah, no, that's absolutely right. It would have been a problem. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, and then again, there's, there's Roman Catholicism and Roman Catholicism. I mean, I was listening to a Roman Catholic podcast mm-hmm. the other day because um, I, I, I listened to a Roman Catholic podcast and to a... Uh, orthodox podcast just to kind of keep in touch with what is actually going on and how they think and mm. that kind of thing and um and honestly like sometimes you listen to them and you think the way you're talking is very very similar like the language you're using everything mm. like that you know mm. obviously w- w- with roman catholics when you start to pick apart what they mean by justification mm. what they mean by righteousness what they, you know th- then um things start to unravel a bit and mm. obviously there's the whole the mariology and so. yes. but sometimes when they talk they sound like evangelical christians yeah you know, evangelical Protestants. So, well i think it is um yeah. i mean i think it is a important thing and uh, yeah, maybe just as we think about the the genre of fancy and really, uh, I suppose, fictional writing and really anything outside of the sacred, um, you know, as as we participate in something that's very cultural, and uh, we've been sort of thinking about Christmas recently as well. I think one of the the criticisms of Protestant theology has been, and I think probably rightly so has been an overemphasis or just not allowing uh, as much emphasis on beauty and aesthetic quality. And, and um, you know, we've, we've tended to, and I think that that's re- uh, relative to, or at least um, it's, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It's uh, related to this idea of, of two-kingdom theology and two, two-age sojourning in the sense that it's because people have, because the Protestant tradition has often been guilty of of conflating the sacred and the secular. And so what is true for the sacred must then sort of be applied with its rigid force on, uh, on, on the, the cultural stuff as well. It's ended up to, uh, having a bit of a backlash and squashing things. And I, I don't think that that's ever what was meant by the Reformation. I mean, I think you see the Reformation setting, originally at least, um, setting art and, and, um, and all cultural activities free from this kind of... Um, blend on the sacred side like it used to be that you know if you're going to paint a painting you know it's got to have a halo in it otherwise it's not a real painting it can't be accepted you know and so the the reformation yeah. comes along and, and yeah. frees people to actually you know paint a picture to the glory of god and it's bad it's, it sucks that that tolkien would have been stifled if he was uh protestant um yeah. you know he should have been a protestant and been set free to write properly without criticism uh that's what should have happened yeah. But uh, it, it doesn't. Well, I don't see any inconsistency with the way that he <clears throat> writes that essay, and the way that Protestants should think. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah. Um, I can't say for anything else he says or believes. Yeah. But <clears throat> I think that that essay um, is a good example of healthy Protestant thinking. Like mm. I said, you could get it. It feel it wouldn't be out of place at a Gospel Coalition blog. Right. You know? Totally. Exactly. Um, so you're a um, a fantasy, like fan, right? Yes. You read fantasy, yeah. high fantasy, epic fantasy, epic fantasy. What is that? Well, 
fantasy um, can you know can be stuff like Harry Potter or um, could be like the Terry Pratchett stuff about the disc world. You know, it's, it's just anything that kind of right. has that fantasy feel about it. Okay. You know, uh, fiction set in a make-believe world. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> high fantasy um, or epic fantasy usually is the kind of fantasy that is seeking to deal with real th- philosophical problems uh, by creating a world that, um, you know, in its own consistency and according to its own rules, illustrates what life in this world is like and mm-hmm. kind of highlights the philosophical problems and then tries to resolve them. But obviously doesn't do that by through philosophy, which is engagement with the real world. Mm-hmm. It does it through fantasy, which is essentially philosophy in a make-believe world. Uh, yeah. Totally. Hey, so yeah. let, let's round this off by um, uh, give us uh, a few reasons off the top of your head that you think all Christians should read fantasy. Oh, wait, that's too strong. Uh, why you think it would be beneficial for uh, those who don't read fantasy to start reading fantasy, high fantasy? Okay. Right. Um, okay. So <clears throat> the first thing I'll say is what we've been saying, mm-hmm. which is that um, fantasy, which creates the drama of a you know comedy, I don't mean that in the sense of makes you laugh. I mean in the sense of like, a Greek comedy mm-hmm. where it starts with a kind of peaceful situation. Then there's this deep crisis and there's a happy ending. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> that story arc, that, that happy ending um, and the way that fantasy helps us to feel that our need of it um, is good for our soul. Mm-hmm. You know? And if we know the gospel, it points us to the gospel and sets our hearts on the gospel in a, in a really unique way. Um, the second thing I'd say is that mm. um, don't undermine the role of imagination in the Christian life. Mm. Um, you know, there are whole genres in the Bible, you know, that, that like apocalyptic literature, for mm-hmm. example, mm-hmm. Revelation, Daniel, so that, that play on the imagination. Mm-hmm. They get us to imagine things. Mm. And things like heaven, things like hell, things like the glory of Christ um, or the glory of God or the new Jerusalem um, or the, you know, Christ, the return of Christ in glory, riding on the white horse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, imagination helps us in our Christian hope and in our, in our imagining of the unseen world, because we as Christians don't only believe in the, in the visible, we mm-hmm. believe in the world, the invisible world that Christ also created. So, mm-hmm. um, and, but, it takes imagination to see that the imagination of faith mm-hmm. and fantasy flexes our imagination. You know, mm-hmm. it, it builds that muscle if you like. And mm-hmm. so I think reading fantasy helps us, um, by, you know, creating imagination, which helps us with our Christian hope. So, mm, that's good. um, uh, there's that. Thirdly, um, the other thing is, um, the other thing I just mentioned, which was that, um, high fantasy, particularly, but all fantasy to some extent, mm-hmm. um, is just like reading philosophy, mm-hmm. except in, rather than being told in prose, you're being told in narrative. Mm. And so you're being helped to think through all the big problems of this life, mm-hmm. but you're doing it in a fun way with characters and, um, and situations and contexts that are 
are you know imaginative and and, and good fantasy takes mm-hmm. you really does take you into a, a world where it is consistent and you can you can grapple with all the same rules just in a slightly topsy turvy way. So mm-hmm. um, so I think it's 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 a fun way to do philosophy. And mm-hmm. finally, it's escapism, and mm-hmm. I think we all need a little of that. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. But I escapism into I'm not one of those people who denies the value of escapism. I think we need to escape from time to time, and right. I think fantasy is brilliant for that. Yeah, and it's escaping into true myth, escaping into ultimate reality, ultimately, not escaping into some sort of like anti, anti truth, you know. Um, uh, in that, you, it's good ending. It's good guys win stuff. You know, it's not like yeah, you're, you're having to escape the Christian hope to go into like, hey, Satan wins or something, uh, which is which yeah, is kind exactly. of a, a weird way of escaping. Um, so, all right. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you um, what would you say to those who who say to you, but it's not true, though, and I could be doing a lot more constructive things. I want to read things that are true. <laughs> it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's, it's scary. People do, people do say things, and it's because of a very narrow view of where truth can be found. Mm. You know? And if you don't believe that truth can be found in narrative, then, um, you know, then you can't read the Bible as a, as a book that's true. Mm. Um, so first of all, narrative speaks the truth in its own way mm-hmm. and like us like i've said before in fantasy you know i'll speak particularly about the genre of, of fantasy in fantasy it is con- very much concerned with philosophical realities it's mm-hmm. just betraying it in a story form mm-hmm. uh, you know and and if you know this is this is true of the shows that we watch mm-hmm. you know um where you know you watch the uh, what's the, that movie with um, um, uh, Cumberland Sausage? What's his name? Uh, <laughs> Cumberbatch. Cumber. Uh, <laughs> you know, you know his name is Sherlock Holmes. The oh King, right, you know, got where it. He's, yeah. he's constantly. <laughs> you know the guy? Yeah, Benedict. Ex Benedict Cumberland Sausage. Um, he um, he was in that movie, The Imitation Game, wasn't mm. he? Yeah, yeah. Where, I mean, now, what was the point? It was a brilliant movie, brilliant mm-hmm. movie. But what was the point of it? Well, mm-hmm. it clearly was proclaiming a, a truth, which was that homosexuals had been grossly mistreated in the past, and mm-hmm. it had an agenda, mm-hmm. which is to say, let's not do the same thing today. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's, it's a story, mm-hmm. dramatized, you know, um, but it, it has very serious message, and uh, and choose for us to hear. Um, yeah, and you can say that just about any story, whether mm-hmm. it's based on real events or not. You know, it's it, they they have agendas, they have points, and mm-hmm. not all of those points are good. Uh, not all of those agendas are good, mm-hmm. but um, but they you know they, there is a message, and we're naive to think otherwise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think yeah. I think that's what I'd say. You, truth comes to us in more than just prose, and more mm-hmm. than just uh, fact form. You know? Yeah, totally. That's great. Um, all right. So let's round up with a, a yeah. few. Uh, w- what are some must reads um, that you, well, what, what are some of your favorite um, high fantasy books that you would highly recommend? Um, okay. So, well, the, uh, the first for me is, is Lord of the Rings. Right. So uh, mm-hmm. you just, you, you can't, you can't do better than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, the other two series that I've, I'm still kind of working through um, mm-hmm. are The Wheels of Time mm-hmm, by too, yeah. 
Is it Jordan Roberts or Robert Jordan? I can't remember. I can never remember which way around it is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I think I'm on. I think I'm on like book five of that. I'm, I, I'm a hundred pages away from finishing book five. It's like an eight hundred page book. Wow. And then um, I'm also on book five of the Malazan Book of the Fallen, mm-hmm. um, which is a ten. You know, the Wheels of Time is thirteen book. Is it thirteen? Sixteen? So I think it's a 16-book series or something so, like that. Yeah. And then the Malazan Book of the Fallen is a 10-book series. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and they are they're good. <clears throat> Malazan Book of the Fallen is like, I, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone who isn't already won over to the genre of high fantasy because it is, it's quite hard work, like very in-depth characters. And uh, it was written by a guy who was a sociologist and an archaeologist. So like you just get, um, incredible uh, detail mm. in the fantasy world. It's just, mm-hmm. it's just amazing, but it's not. It's not going to be for everyone. Right. Um, I tell you what. What everybody must read if they want to get into uh, fantasy as a genre mm-hmm. is the Farsia trilogy mm-hmm. by Robin Hobb. Is it Robin Hobb? Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you Farsia as in F A R. Like far, as in yeah, F A R S E E R. So like seer, okay, he's far, you know. Um, and I think it's called like the Assassin's Apprentice, uh, Assassin's Quest, something like that. I know there's three books in it, and quite honestly, like just a marvel. Yeah, like so I'd say that's probably probably the second best trilogy outside of Lord of the Rings, and then I'd go to Wheels of Time. But you, you the the Wheels of Time book, they muddle. Like say book five, uh, book five has been a bit of a hard slog. Right. Books one to four have been great, but book five has been—it's just like a, it hasn't been great to be honest. He's got obsessed with some female characters that I don't really enjoy, <laughs> okay. and so it's just been a bit of a slog. But yeah. I have to read it because I want to know what happens in book six. So, um, <laughs> totally. yeah. All right, good. So we got Lord of the Rings, uh, obviously J.R. Tolkien. We've got the Farsia trilogy. Yeah. Um, that's by Robin Hobb. And we've got Wheels yeah. of Time by uh, Robert Jordan. And so uh, we'll put those on yeah. the blog. Go check it out. And um, and you can, oh, you know what you can do? You can go click on, on the links that I put on the blog and earn me one cent for every thousand clicks I get. Uh, I'm sure I'm going to get just loaded. So, but I, th- I might just actually start doing that. I might start putting a bit of. We we end up recommending a lot of li- a lot of books, at least on on this uh, podcast. So I might just put it all in an organized way there. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to go buy a book, then click on that link and give me a. You cent. can also you can read. You can read the the Tolkien FM fairy stories for free online. Oh, beautiful! So we'll we'll throw that on there. So as we can well. give as you a link for that. Yeah. Um, Great. That's awesome. Um, good talk. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's fun. I, I mean, you got me to geek out a bit on, uh, on fantasy, bro. No, fantasy's good. I love it. And I think we need to be reading more of it. And uh, there's some great stuff out there. So, hey, go check it out. If uh, Hopefully that's helpful to you. And um, stay tuned as we talk some more about theology and stuff on 2 com. Thanks for joining us, bro. Cool. Yeah, thanks for having me.